0: It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. All right. Welcome back. Always good to have you guys here. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for making Money for Lunch uh, one of the top podcasts to listen to. Uh, A while back, we were syndicated on Pandora. So if you're a fan of Pandora, if you're already a a listener or subscriber, you can now listen to Money for Lunch on Pandora, as well as Spotify and Google Play and all those other uh, platforms. So thank you so much. Um, All right. Let's start off with the quote of the day. The quote of the day is uh, from Winston Churchill. and You probably heard this one before. Success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. It is the courage to continue that counts. A great quote from Winston Churchill, who knows quite a bit about both success and failure, as well as the courage to continue. All right, on the show today, Francis Jackson. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans' disability benefits and Social Security disability benefits. A founding partner of Jackson McNichol, he has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He's most recently appeared as a guest of the Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate show discussing benefits for veterans and social security disability benefits and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He's also been quoted in USA Today and is and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors with a Quillie Award in September of 2012 for his contribution as a joint author to the Amazon best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. In 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability law. For more information, please visit veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com, Francis Jackson, welcome back.
1: Thanks so much, Bert. I uh, always enjoy having the chance to chat with you.
0: Thank you, and I, you know what? Uh, I, I am as well. I'm, I'm always, uh, as I mentioned before, and I tell a lot of my friends as well as our listeners that the work that you guys do there at, at uh, Jackson McNichol is incredibly important uh, for our veterans, and and uh, it's just one of those things that a lot of people are not aware about aware of that our veterans sometimes really have to come home after fighting for our country to fight for their benefits or their disability compensation. So I'm glad for the work that you guys do. Super important. Thanks, Bert. All right, so let me ask you this. Speaking of disability compensation, how does the VA determine eligibility for disability compensation? Talk about this.
1: Well, there are a bunch of factors, but the primary uh, assessment, Bert, is – you, you have to have a present disability, uh, you know, an illness or or medical condition. Um, there has to have been something that happened in service. Either the condition was present in service, or began in service, or was aggravated uh, while you were in service. For example, um, we've had some cases where people had uh, some. Uh, you know relatively modest heart problems, um, not bad enough to keep them from getting in the service, but the level of physical activity in the service aggravated those problems to the point that they that they couldn't continue that's that's a you know, um, just an example of these aggravation things and then the the third element that you have to prove is that there's a relationship uh, a medical relationship between the current disability and what happened in service. Those are the, gotcha. uh, the, ba- the basic factors.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And, and um, you know, the, the, the thing that a lot of people don't understand, and I didn't until uh, I started working with you, and that is that uh, the VA really acts like an insurance company. I mean, they, they scrutinize these conditions. They, they uh, you know, they're, they're looking for ways to deny claims, Correct.
1: Sadly, that's true, Bert. What happens is you know as you know congress has has promised lots of benefits to veterans, but if you look on the other side, um, the budget doesn't always support paying all those benefits so the the VA ends up in the unenviable position of uh, being the gatekeeper and trying to to uh, not only keep out uh, false and fraudulent claims but also to to uh, really put the veteran to the test of proving that he or she is eligible for the benefits. As you say, uh, similar to an insurance company looking at a claim and, and making the claimant really demonstrate that they're, they have an entitlement to the benefits.
0: Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. All right, let me ask you this. Uh, does an individual have to be a combat veteran?
1: No, no. Uh, there's no requirement that you be a combat veteran. I, I know there's kind of an urban myth out there um, that you have to be a combat veteran to uh, to get VA um, benefits, but that is not correct. Um, the uh, part of the reason I think that comes up, though, is you do generally have to be on active duty. Um, what happens is you get these cases where folks were in the uh, National Guard or the Army Reserves or Air Force Reserves or Marine Reserves or whatever. And as you know, folks in the Reserves um, only go to uh, a limited amount of training, typically a, a, a two-week active period of duty um, sometime during the year, plus uh, uh, weekend drills and there may be other special um, uh, duty events, but uh, if if folks are not on regular active service if they're in the guard or reserves and they get injured, um, they have to show that the injury or um, it's even harder with illnesses, but the illnesses um, stemmed from a period when they were either on active duty or or active duty for training if they're if they were simply in the guard. Um, at the time things uh, happened to them, that's not enough to qualify them for veterans' benefits. And I think that's part of where this whole notion that somehow you have to be a combat veteran came from, which which is not true. You just have to have been on active duty.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. All right, um, let me ask you this, because uh, this uh, – I found this intriguing. Somebody, uh, somebody mentioned this the other day, and that is does having – military retirement uh, retirement pay or retirement stop me from getting VA's disability benefits
1: well oh, that one's a little complicated um, the way it works is ordinarily yes having a uh, a VA uh, uh, compensation or VA compensable condition is uh, Let me try and say this correctly. If you are if you are military retired and have military retirement pay, you can choose to have either military retirement pay or VA compensation. Uh, Generally speaking, one is a is a bar to the other. Now, there are a couple of things that uh, that factor in here. Um, One part that is uh, not always known to folks is that VA benefits are not taxable. Military retirement pay is taxable. So if you're in a situation where you could get either, um, the same amount from your military retirement pay or from the VA, you're better off to take the VA compensation because it's not taxable. And therefore you gain roughly a a third approximately depending on your bracket. But, um, the other part that uh, that gets um, confusing is there is a special uh, program, a special law called the Combat Related Special Program, or Concurrent Retired and Disability Pay Program, and that not only sounds like a mouthful, it it, it is a mouthful in in real terms. Um, the way that the way that works, uh, the uh, the Congress said, you know we're not happy with precluding military retirement pay and disability compensation for certain people. And the certain people basically were people who um, the Congress viewed as being, I guess, especially deserving is, is probably the best way to describe it. So for example, if you have an entitlement to VA compensation, for an injury that you received a Purple Heart for in a combat zone, you can get both your military retirement pay and your uh, disability compensation from the VA. And it's uh, it's limited to those folks who were either wounded in combat or were engaged in what uh, the Congress called hazardous service. And They've never actually defined specifically what that means, but they give you some examples, which will give you a pretty good idea. Um, they, uh, they talk about as hazardous uh, being performed in a uh, combat zone um, or um, being uh, subject to things like uh, flight duty, um, parachuting, demolition work, um, diving, rescue missions, you know, things that we we tend to think of as, if you will, extra hazardous. And there's actually some interesting case law where people have uh, fought about what this hazardous duty thing means. Um, There's a, uh, what I thought was a fascinating case, uh, brought by a lady who was a nurse in Afghanistan, and she said, you know, um, this was hazardous duty. I I didn't uh, get injured. I didn't get a uh, Purple Heart, but... I was working in this hospital where uh, there were uh, former, uh, uh, you know, uh, Afghan uh, rebels uh, being treated. Uh, there were uh, uh, shelling attacks in the area. You know, it was hazardous. And uh, the uh, the court said, well, you know, we agree that was hazardous, and we, you know, appreciate your heroism and your service, but that doesn't fall within this narrow Group that uh, Congress uh, said could uh, get both kinds of pay, and we're very sorry, but that's what Congress did, and you don't get the benefits. So it's a it's an interesting little twist to the uh, to the normal rules. Uh, there is, as I said, this this one narrow exception where you can get both. But as a general rule, for 99% of, uh, of veterans, you have to choose between either military retirement pay or Uh, your veteran's disability, if you're eligible for veteran's disability as well.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's, first of all, I want to, I want to, I guess, uh, emphasize one of the things that you mentioned about the taxation. So uh, this is something that a lot of us don't think about when we're thinking about money. All we want is, Hey, give me as much money as possible. However, taxation can uh, make that, uh, that situation better or worse. And usually it makes it worse. So that's something definitely to to uh, think about. And, uh, you know, too bad for the nurse that didn't get her lack of better terms or her, her hazard pay, but I'm glad that she at least tried. I think that's, that's good. Uh, it, it's just, <laughs> you know, I think that if you look at the military as a whole, it's, it's probably, uh, uh, I don't know, it seems like it would be uh, uh what do you call it? uh fairly dangerous, especially when you're, you know, going to places like Afghanistan or or things like that. So uh, I could see where Congress is trying to make it as narrow as possible. All right, so let me ask you this. Um, Does my discharge affect my entitlement to disability compensation?
1: It does, Bert. I'm sure that uh, this won't apply to a lot of your listeners because it's a pretty narrow uh, uh, exception. But the way this works uh, to be eligible for veterans' benefits, uh, including disability compensation, you have to have an other-than-dishonorable discharge, and that, the reason that that's not as clear as it sounds like it should be is that the military actually has more than one kind of what they call bad paper. Um, an undesirable discharge is basically as bad as it gets, but... There are also um, bad conduct discharges, there are undesirable discharges, and these are are different gradations, if you will, of of, uh, a not good discharge. So the, the general rule is if you have an honorable discharge or a general discharge under honorable conditions, you're eligible for benefits. If you have an undesirable discharge, you are absolutely not ever, under any circumstances, eligible for benefits. If you have a bad conduct or an undesirable but not dishonorable discharge, then it puts you in this gray area where the VA makes its own internal determination of how dishonorable the, the bad conduct was. Um, and there are some there are some interesting cases, uh, kind of. Slicing and dicing that uh, issue, but uh, I'm sure that uh, that won't apply to many of your listeners because it's it's rare for people to uh, to get uh, undesirable or even bad conduct uh, discharges but uh, that's how it works in the event that someone has a less than wonderful discharge the The good news for those few folks who uh, who do have those discharges is that there is a process available. To seek a an upgrade of a bad discharge, if you can oh. present telling service uh, circumstances.
0: Oh, I like that kind of give you a second bite at the apple.
1: Yeah, each of the military branches, Bert, has a uh, a review board um, that, uh, you can, uh, that you can that uh, you can apply to to seek a uh, an upgrade of your discharge, and it will uh, be possible under some circumstances to get an upgrade. Uh, usually, well, uh, there isn't really a usually. That's a bad term. But but uh, the, the group of, of cases that have seemed to have more success than others with um, discharges uh, getting upgraded, are those folks who uh, – suffered from some kind of uh, oh, PTSD or nervous breakdown or various other um, emotional stress kind of responses, to, uh, particularly to being in combat, um, the review boards, I think, have generally been willing to go back and look at, okay, what happened that led up to this bad conduct that got you kicked out of the service? and if it was that um, you were on your third combat tour in Afghanistan and suddenly started behaving strangely and did weird things that didn't meet the regulations, um, they might give you a much more consideration for an upgrade than someone who was just uh, persistently AWOL and never went uh, into combat, or you, you get the idea. There's there's a lot of, of factors that... Uh, the discharge boards can, can consider. And this, uh, this issue with uh, PTSD in particular has been one that seems to have resulted in, in a fair number of discharge upgrades.
0: Sure. That makes total sense. You know, I wish we had something like this for Congress, you know, uh, <laughs> Wouldn't that be just awesome? Hey, you—you you know, your 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 bad conduct disqualifies you from any kind of uh, what do you call it uh, benefit. So, <laughs> yeah. that would probably save our save us taxpayers a lot, a lot of money.
1: It it might well. There's certainly <laughs> been some uh, some pretty poor performance by uh, Congresspersons in the last few years. All right. So, fact,
0: oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, I was oh, just okay. going to say that there've been some on the news that were really pretty outrageous.
0: Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about, and <laughs> okay. you know, and, and they're still going to get depending on how long they've been on the job, they're still going to get benefits. It's just like, come on, that doesn't seem fair. Anyway, all right, that's a uh, that's a topic for another show. All right, so uh, this one I found very interesting, and and I think I know the answer, but I wanted to ask you anyway, and that is. Can someone get benefits uh, if they're disabled, but their disability was not caused by military service?
1: Um, The answer is a qualified yes. Uh, Wow. And and I I say it's a qualified yes because it's limited to certain folks. The the way it works, um, I assume you're familiar with the SSI program and Social Security Disability So, um, as you know, the way that works is SSI is available to folks who are disabled but haven't earned the quarters for Social Security disability, but only if they meet certain financial qualifications. Basically, they have to be um, at a pretty low financial level, and the government puts that money in to kind of keep them from, um, you know, starving in the street, as it were. Right. has, uh, or the VA has something kind of comparable. Um, for those who serve during a period of war, now now note it's a, during a period of war, not in wartime or war combat or anything like that, but you serve during a period of war, whether it's World War II or Vietnam or the current conflict in the Middle East or whatever. But if you serve during a period of war and you are disabled, Uh, then the VA will pay you what they call um, non-service connected pension. And that is like uh, SSI intended basically for folks who uh, would otherwise, uh, you know, not being able to pay for groceries and rent and that kind of stuff. It's a a modest uh, benefit. Uh, They get about uh, $1,500 a month total. Um, But, um, you know, it's, it's reduced for any other income that someone has. For example, if uh, if that person also gets uh, some kind of a retirement pension or disability pension or workers' compensation or whatever, um, whatever other money there is coming in, it reduces the amount of their veterans' uh, uh, pension. But, uh, but there is, for, for those folks who served in a period of war, uh, this uh, safety net, if you will – of uh, minimal financial support for people who uh, were in a position where they served during a period of war and they are now disabled and unable to work, but um, they have no other income. So uh, for those folks, Congress has stepped up and said, you know, we we really don't want to leave those folks in the lurch, and we will uh, have a a program that is sort of conceptually similar to, to SSI but pays more, uh, pays about twice as much, in fact, a month, uh, and so that is in fact available for those who are disabled, but not because of their military service.
0: Wow, that uh, I learned something new. I assumed the opposite, and that, you know, again, the old uh, what's the old adage about assumption or about assuming, right? So, well, good. I'm glad that the the VA does that. And you know, my my last question is this because. Again, for those who are listening and you're interested or maybe, you know, a family that might need help, uh, I want to I encourage you to visit veteransbenefits.com. So here's my last question is how does the process work? So, so if somebody comes to your office or calls you or whatever and, and needs help, kind of walk us through, give us an overview, if you will, of how the process works uh, when you guys step in to help somebody gain their veterans benefits.
1: Sure. Well, what, what we obviously do first, Bert, is to kind of pick off these boxes that we've talked about. Um, does, the, uh, does the person um, have a, uh, a discharge that would disqualify them? Um, does the person have uh, disqualifying military retirement pay that they, that they want to, uh, to stay with, as it were? Um, and, and on that note, you know, one of the things you mentioned a minute ago was the taxation issue. And keep in mind that if someone gets uh, 100% VA benefits, whether they get it based on the the rating schedule or they get it because the VA finds they are eligible for total disability because they're individually unemployable as a result of their uh, service-connected uh, disabilities, uh, if somebody is is in that box, that means that they get a benefit of uh, over three thousand dollars a month, and you know that doesn't sound all that great, but when you add in the fact that it's tax-free, it's roughly equivalent to someone who's working and earning fifty thousand a year. So it's it's not a bad deal. Um, it's it's intended by Congress to reward those who have participated in the military and have reached a point where their disabilities keep them from working. But turning to your to your question, the way it works. Um, you know, we go through the basics. Uh, is, is there a qualifying discharge? Is there uh, disqualifying uh, retirement pay? Uh, was the person in the uh, guard or reserves and their illness or injury occurred under circumstances that would preclude them from uh, getting benefits? You know, we had one poor folk, one poor fellow who, uh, had been to uh, reserve training and, uh, after he got home, um, he went on to uh, do something else and got hit by a proverbial train and uh, badly injured, heavily injured. Uh, but since he'd already gone home, his stint of active duty was completed, and he wasn't eligible for benefits, which is just very sad in that case. But but we go through those kind of disqualifying issues, and assuming the person uh, is not disqualified. Um, Typically we get them at the appeal stage and they've already had a decision from the VA where they uh, were either denied benefits or they were given a very low rating, 0%, 10% or whatever, for for something that they thought was uh, uh, entitled to a higher rating. And we look at it and uh, try and develop the facts and get together the medical evidence. We'll get their, their, uh, C-file, their claims file from the VA, we'll get their benefits, uh, uh, sorry, their their personnel record from the uh, archives, um, and once we've been able to put that information together, uh, we'll, uh, you know, proceed with the, uh, the appeal. And often, Bert, what we find is that about 90% of these cases turn on one of two things. Either they're... Claim is lacking the medical evidence to connect their current disability with their medical service. Or their sorry, their, with their military service from a medical point of view, or um, they're having trouble factually proving that some incident occurred in the in the service. And so, the the things that we are most commonly involved in. There's there are certainly others, but the most common ones are. Uh, typically finding a medical specialist in in the uh, particular area and getting a, uh, a medical report showing how this person's uh, problems in the service are the cause of their current uh, medical disability. And let me give you an example. We just went through... Uh, and just got a report in one where the fellow was a an army sergeant. He was working at what was then called Camp Hanford out in Washington, and Hanford was a place where they were working with um, atomic weapons in the in the early days. This is back in the fifties. And his um, current problem is that he has had a a progressively worsening series of um, jaw cancers and has now lost most of his jaw and has difficulty speaking and so on. A very, very sad case, it's face and everything. And the military, uh, or uh, sorry, not the military, the uh, VA had uh, gotten an opinion from a doctor who said, nah, this is, uh, you know, too too far removed in time, couldn't be a result of uh, nuclear uh, radioactive exposure, and by the way, he wasn't exposed to enough stuff to have caused these problems anyway. So we were able to find uh, an an expert's expert, if you will, uh, um, a a doctor who uh, at one time was actually head of uh, that program for the the military, and... uh, got a, uh, a nice opinion from her that I think is going to win the case, um, and a uh, uh, shout out here to Dr. Victoria Cassano, who is a wonderful person, um, and uh, the, uh, the report that she provided was explaining that the report that the VIA had gotten was based on a civilian analysis of exposure for civilian employees at a later point in time at the Hanford Reservation after Camp Hanford became the Hanford Reservation and did not accurately assess the level of exposure that our person likely had and so I'm I'm very hopeful that this gentleman is ultimately going to get his benefits after years of uh, years of waiting but that's that's kind of the the um, a, a, an upper-level example, if you will, of the kinds of issues that, that we're working with service folks on. It's really often a question of finding an expert who can explain in a meaningful way why it is that there is, in fact, a medical connection between the activity or uh, other factors that occurred in service, and the current disability. That's really um, probably 80 or 90% of, uh, of the cases that we handle. Um, and the other smaller group that, that recurs a lot is cases where uh, the VA says, well, that's all very interesting that you say that um, you got PTSD because uh, there was this horrible accident, and... Uh, you know, your friends were killed right in front of you, but we can't prove any of that. And what we have found is that uh, often there are other records. We, uh, in, a, in a recent case, for example, we were able to get uh, records from the Department of Defense showing that there were, in fact, deaths um, from uh, what Uh, they classified as a vehicle accident in the time period that our client had talked about at the place he talked about, even though the military wasn't able to find um, direct records of that in its own archives. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, sometimes just a lot of detective work and sometimes we can track down people who served with the veteran and get statements from them. You know, there are different ways to it, but, um, that's the kind of thing that uh, tends to happen a lot. We, we usually get the cases where folks are having trouble getting benefits. Um, I've used the example with you, I know, of a fellow who uh, has uh, the misfortune to be exposed to an IED and gets a foot blown off in Afghanistan. You know, the, the VA can see that. They can right. rate it. And he can pay it. It's not those cases aren't usually a problem. But the same, the guy in the same incident who gets a concussion, and he, you know, nobody really uh, says he's he's badly hurt. You know, he doesn't think uh, he's doing too bad. He doesn't go and stay in the hospital or anything. Um, but when he gets back stateside, you know, he has headaches and he can't really remember things well, and he has trouble at work getting things in the right sequence you know, uh, that's a guy that we're likely to see because the VA can't see it and has trouble rating it, and we may have to get a neuropsychological evaluation to show that, in fact, the problems he's having are consistent with the left temporal lobe injury from being exposed to his blast, you know. Right. So those are, the, those are the sorts of things that, um, that, that we tend to uh, tend to get, these more complicated ones where people are having trouble.
0: Man, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Listen, Francis, we're out of time. I want to say thank you again for stopping by, as well as thank you so much for supporting our brave men and and women. If you know of somebody who needs help, if they've been denied, uh, maybe they're doing great, let them know about VeteransBenefits.com and Francis and his team. Francis Jackson, thank you so much for stopping by.
1: Always a pleasure, Bert. You take care.
0: Thank you. Good stuff there from lawyer Francis Jackson, veteransbenefits.com. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are a service member, a, a veteran, if you are currently in, uh, in the service, it doesn't hurt you to check out veteransbenefits.com. And if you are suffering, maybe you've been denied, don't suffer in silence. Let's share this episode with everyone we know. Let's help as many people as we can to get the benefits that they deserve Uh, These are men and women who have served our country, and for whatever reason, they are being denied their benefits. Let's put an end to that. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch, and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.